0: good morning everyone so let me sh- um, let me remind all the online audience okay i know you're at home you are very comfortable but i like to ask all of you to pay attention what i will say today because this is very important so i like to ask you if you do something maybe you're washing the dishes maybe you're doing something if you can just let it go and sit down in front of your computer or TV and pay attention what God is saying to you today. And for all of you here, okay, just give me like 30 to 45 minutes to speak the word of God to all of you. Don't open your social media and listen what God is saying to all of us. Amen. Just give me like 30 to 45 minutes. So here... The title of my sermon today be the community. So there's no doubt that when we read and study the New Testament, we find pictures of a profound community. And these communities consist of followers of Jesus Christ. And they did more than just gather on every Sunday, but they also spent time in one another's homes breaking bread and sharing life. These early Christians modeled their communities to what Jesus taught them. Jesus exhorted the disciples to practice community. After humbling himself, Jesus washed uh, disciples' feet and said this, You also ought to wash one another's feet. And Jesus continued by giving the commandment, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Jesus valued community. That's why the title of my sermon today, Be the Community. You know, we don't have to be Christians long to be disappointed by Christians' community. You know, when we look at our own community, our local church, our gatherings, the reality can seem far from our expectation you know we expected the friendship would be deeper we hoped the people will be more welcoming we wanted the church would be more like christ you know you know we like the ministry that would fill the need of our personal need and we thought the pastor would remember our name you know, uh, last week we had a youth conference. You know, I call one of the youth, Adele, although her name is Phoebe, all day. And every time Phoebe, I call Adele, Phoebe look at me like, "Uh-uh, I'm not, I'm not Adele, I'm Phoebe. Throughout the day, guys. Maybe we thought like, oh the pastor should remember my name. And the lists are on and on and on and on, guys. But often, our own disappointment with Christian community have originated from our own unrealistic expectation. You know, we walk into the church expecting to find a perfect church, a perfect community without blemish, and instead we found a church in progress. You know, we wanted a place where all our needs to be met. You know, connections, spouse, love, acceptance, all kind of things. But we got only part of it. And some Christians take community flaws as a license to flee. You know, they move from church to church, gathering to another gathering in search of community with fewer flaws. You know, other Christians may stay with their communities, but they have exchanged Warm affection with mere tolerance. You know, yeah, I'm here because my parents is here. Yeah, man. You know, the church did so much for me in the past, so I'm here just to show my face. So all these Christians stay at the church, but their souls and their mind are not at the church. So today I want to speak about this issue. I want to speak about this thing. What should we do if we are not experiencing the kind of community we wanted? So what we should do? An Apostle Peter gave us five callings to every Christians who live in imperfect community. So five callings to every Christians who live in in imperfect community. Let's read First Peter 3, verse 8. First Peter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you, all of us, should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude so the first calling is to lay aside personal preference so this is the first calling for every christian who live in an imperfect church lay aside our personal preferences peter said all of us all of you should be of one mind the church should share the same mind of attitude. Despite of all our differences of cultures and personalities, we should carry the same visions into our gatherings. That means, listen to me very well, that means our race, black, White, yellow, our hobbies, Lakers fan, Clippers fan, our personalities, introvert, extrovert, our food, rice versus bread, our language, our wealth, our job cannot be the main focus of our gathering. Because if yes, if food is our main focus, if job is the main focus, how is possible then? Bernard and Paul be a partner in the ministry. If you know them very well, Bernard can wear different attire 365 a days a year. Every day, Bernard can wear different clothes, different pants. That's Bernard. Paul is different. Paul can wear the same shirt and the same pants 365 a day a year. He's totally different, man. Totally different personality. So, how can Paul and Bernard be a partner in the ministry? How can Nita and I be a fellow ministers in Christ? If you know me very well, I I I'm not a big fan of Lakers fan. I'm not. I think they are spoiled. I think. You know, if you know NBA, you know, I mean like. Lakers and sports, man, they just don't like one another. Just period, because we are good. We compete for championship all year. I mean, every year we want to be the best. So it is common for us not, not to like one another. But how can I, Nita, and here standing in this place, serving the Lord together? And how does college student like Bayu? Like Bayu? Have unity in mind with a family of five like Lily. I mean, I believe the way that thing is different, right? I think Bayou is thinking about, okay, what kind of major that I need to pursue? What kind of career that I need to take? Lily is different. Lily is, okay, what is the plan for my birthday girl? For my daughter's birthday. It's totally different mindset. So how can Paul Bernard Nita, myself, Bayou, Lily, and all of us have unity in mind with one another. How can we serve one another? Listen, we can have unity in mind with one another because we have all been captured by Jesus Christ. Christ is our focus. Christ is the one who united us into one body. It is not our hobbies. It is not our personalities, it is not our food, it's not our language. No, it is Christ who united us in one body. You know, our communities, diverse as they often are, have one identity. We are sinners saved by grace. If you are white, you are sinners saved by grace. If you are Asians, you have your Indonesian, if you're Filipino, if you are African- American, all of you, you are sinners saved by grace. That's our identity as human beings, in the eyes of God. And we have one calling, one calling, guys, to proclaim God's kingdom. And we have one desire to glorify Jesus in everything we do. Often, disappointments. Over our communities, over our church happened because we have lost sight of these visions and put emphasis on our personal preference than Christ's commandment. We began to see our church, our gatherings based on how well it meets my personal need, rather than how well it glorifies Jesus Christ. But we should remind ourselves today of God's visions of our community, of our church. We must lay aside personal preferences in order to glorify Christ with one mind. Relationships are deeper and richer when our ultimate focus is in Christ and not the other things. When we live as. If the church or the gathering must meet all our need, listen to me carefully. You will be disappointed all the time. Let me say it again. If you come to church and expect the church will feel all the need of your life, you will be regularly disappointed. We are asking our communities to do something that no community can ever do or give. Even Amazon cannot sell all kind of things, right? Focus on Christ, people. Lay aside our personal preferences. That is the first calling for all Christians who live in the imperfect community. Lay aside. Our personal preferences the second calling the second calling is to sympathize with each other sympathize with each other let's read again first spirit 3 verse 8 finally all of you should be one mind sympathize with each other you know biblical sympathy is the ability to put ourselves in the place of another so we can respond with sensitivity to the need. It is the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes and try to understand what happened to them. Feel what they feel so we can be part of their journey. Sympathy is what Jesus feels toward his people, weaknesses. Let's read Hebrew 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who is very respect has been tempted as we are, Yet without sin. So Jesus is able to sympathize with his people weaknesses. And his sympathy moves him to give his people mercy and grace. Let's continue. First Hebrew 4, verse 16. He said, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace draw near to jesus that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need so jesus is able to sympathize with our weaknesses and not only that his sympathy moves all of us to find mercy and grace sympathy moves us to weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice, and then do what we can to be part of their journey in life. I'll give you an example. Today, Lakers will try to win a championship today. And I know for sure. For Lakers fans like Paul, Nita, William Tote, and many others fans, is very important. And to sympathize with them means this: to rejoice if they win it today. To weep if they lost it today. We don't say like if they are, if they lost, oh, loser. Nita, you're such a loser. That's why you need to chase the other team. Oh blah, blah. We don't need to brag that kind of stuff. To sympathize with someone that you understand their shoes, they understand the condition. Rejoice when they rejoice. Weep when they are weep. Another example. Someone gets the promotion that you want. To sympathize with this person means to be able to congratulate that person, guys. To be happy for that person. Don't talk trash. Don't create gossip, don't create rumor, oh, yeah, yeah, blah, blah blah, that kind of stuff. When you sympathize with people's success, then you are happy for them, although you feel like, "Hmm, why, Lord?" That's called being sympathized with one another. Sympathy does not come naturally to most of us. We may listen to a time. We may listen for a time. To someone's story. But seldom, seldom we linger there and allow their situation to sink down into our own life. Seldom. We just, yeah, 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 yeah. If we can be honest to one another, many times before they finish their story, we already speak of our mind, true or not? As human beings, we have the tendency to not listen well, right? Just ask my wife; she can tell the truth that I'm a good listener. Ha 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 ha. You know, before my before my wife finished, the sanders already like, I know. We have the tendency not to listen well. So, what should we do, guys? If we are not experiencing the kind of community we want. Apostle Peter gave us the answer, sympathize with each other. And the simple form, how to sympathize with each other, is try to listen well. Remind ourselves that how many ears do we have? How many ears? Two! Two! How many mouth you have? One. Listen more, talk less. This is the second calling for every Christians who live in the imperfect community sympathize with each other. The third calling, the third calling is to treat the church like our family Treat the church like our family So there's the, the third calling Treat the church like our family Let's read again First Peter 3 verse 8 Finally All of you should be of one mind Sympathize with each other Love each other as Brothers and Sisters All of us have been born again into a new family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Romans twelve, verse five, says this: "So we, though many, okay, so, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. We are brothers." And sisters in Christ. So, question for all of you today: Can we choose our biological family? Do we have the power or the ability to de- to decide what kind of dad or mom or siblings that we want in this life? Oh, I want Brad Pitt to be my dad. Oh, you want I want Pastor Valium to be my dad because he's funny, he's handsome. Thank you. I mean, I mean, can we have the ability to decide? Can we decide what kind of family that we want to be born in? You know, I want to be born in the wealthy family, I want to be born in a specific location. The answer is no. We cannot choose our biological family and it is the same as our biological family we don't get to choose the members of God's family God just welcomes all of us into this wonderful unusual and sometimes frustrating Collection of mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and children like Maddy sometime, and then tell each one of us love one another. Apart from the blood of Jesus Christ that binds us together, many of us have little in common. Right? But these are our family in Christ. These people are family members people. You know many times, many times, God's family will annoy us, offense us, and even wound us deeply. We feel tempted at times to find more normal family, one more like us. But precisely at that point, we have the opportunity to practice Jesus' commandment. Love each other as brothers and sisters. This is the calling of every Christian who lives in the imperfect world, in the imperfect community, in the imperfect church. Treat the church like your own family. Our biological family can have some pretty serious conflict. Right? And exchange some harsh word. But it is very rare that family breaks up over it. True or not? I'll give you an example. You know, I fought with my mind many times. Oh man. When when I fought with my mom, it's crazy. Seriously. Like for me, because like I honor, I want to be honest with all of you, because you know the lack of patience in my part. you know, for me, sometimes it's just like, "Oh, Mom, Mom, I don't want to hear it." You know, I say something stupid, I'm st- I say something very harsh to her. But after I cooled down and I realized man fell why you so stupid if you can just listen to your mom she just need you to be her friend just listen well she doesn't want just complain she just want you to listen just shut up and listen you're so stupid fell why you need to say that kind of stuff to her and I came to her mom forgive me i'll do better next time We still have a good connection. She still, she still. I mean, my mom's still my mom, and I'm still her son. There's family, guys. We can have a harsh um, word exchange. We have conflict, but at the end of the day, we still a family. Same thing with all of us here. Yes, yeah, sometimes we say something stupid. I hurt you. Intentionally or unintentionally, but let's learn to love one another like brothers and sisters because the blood of Jesus Christ binds us together as a family of God. My mom and I still have a good relationship because of blood because we blood related and all of us here we are blood related through the blood of Jesus Christ. So we, when we have conflicts, let's solve it as a brothers and sisters. Let's learn how to forgive well. Don't say, oh I'm done, I'm moving out, I'm looking for other church. That's the third calling for all of us guys. Treat our church like our family. The fourth calling is to have compassion toward the hurting. The fourth calling is to have compassion toward the hurting. First Peter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you should be one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted. Or in other words, be compassionate. You know, similar to sympathy, be tender-hearted or be compassionate means to be sensitive to someone's situation. The tender-hearted are willing to put their own lives on pause while they enter into someone else's life. And linger there for a while. they listen well, they ask questions. but more specifically than sympathy, the tender-hearted are particularly touched by pain. When the tender-hearted meet the pain of suffering, they extend solution. Let's read Matthew 15:32. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I've compassion, I've tender um heartedness toward this crowd, toward these people, because they have been with me now for three days, have nothing to eat, and I'm w- and I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way, guys. So here Jesus saw their suffering. The pain, their pain, they are hungry, and his compassion led him to feed them with seven fish. I mean, sorry, seven bread and few small fish. they tender-hearted, and also when the tender-hearted meet the pain of sin, they extend forgiveness. Let's read Ephesians four, verse thirty-two. Ephesians four verse thirty-two. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. As we live as a family of God in this place, in our church, in our gathering, to be tender-hearted means to forgive people easily. We understand people will make mistakes for sure people is pe- people are people we realize some of us have been carrying a lot of baggages and these things have prevented some of us to be more friendly or welcoming but as our heart grow more tender we will not be easily hurt or disappointed Instead, we are able to love these people as is. This is the calling of every Christian who live in the imperfect community have compassion guys toward the hurting. All of us we are work in progress right? All of us including your pastor for sure will make mistakes be tenderhearted toward me. Be compassionate toward me. We are fellow sinners saved by grace. So when you are have compassion toward people, easily for you to forgive that person. The fifth, the last calling is to have humility. Have humility. Humility. First Peter 3 verse 8 Finally, all of you should be one, should be of one mind Sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude What does it mean to have humility? To keep a humble attitude, it means we believe the best about each other. When I see Brian, when I see William, when I see Bayu, when I see Chandra, when I see Paul, when I see Nita, I see the best out of their life. I don't see, oh, Nita, Lakers fan, ooh, spoiled and childish. I'm just kidding. We see her. I see her the best out of her. It also means we are slow to speak and quick to listen. It means we plan of how we might do our brothers and sisters good. So we plan, how can I treat you good? How can I be the best friend of you? How can I serve you well? We plan it that way. That's called to have humility. And it also means we come to church ready to serve one another. We don't come to church with mentality, serve me. If not, I'm leaving the church. No. To have humility means we never think anyone is too low for us to love, to serve, and to honor. Every Christians who live in an imperfect community should want humility to be his or her characteristic. Why? Why? Why humility must be our characteristics in our church? Why? Let's read First Peter five, five b. And all of you. Dress yourself in humility as you relate to one another for god oppose the proud and give grace to the humble this is why you me christians we must address ourselves we must have characters of humility in our Christian walk because God opposes you if you have prideful if you have pride but God give you grace if you have humility this is the calling of every Christians have humility